With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Baz and Izzy for breakfast. It is the 20th of October this morning. And Izzy, well, we've done it all. We've done basketball. We've done a former league star coaching union. Um, we've done cricket and, of course, racing too. Very, very varied show this morning. Yeah, mate, it was a good show, actually. Loved chatting to Lance Hall Hire. Uh, obviously, everyone knows him from the league days, playing for the Warriors, 185 Games for the Mighty Warriors went to two grand finals, 202 with Stacey Jones, and then obviously 2011 against the Manly Seagulls. Just being tripped up in the last hurdle, but mate, he's doing great things over in the United States, coaching rugby union for the Quinnis College men's rugby team. So it's good to chat to Lance about the future of American rugby. Seth Partner, he was so good talking all things NBA. He called it, we called it, Kevin Durant, MVP. So there you go. We know our basketball, Lee <laughs> and I. How good was that? Up the Lakers, though. They will get the job done. I'm a Lakers supporter. And then we got John Barry. Well, course Johnny I'm Boot. Mav. John Barron, three. Barrier five, I should say. Course I'm Mav. Over there paying 31 bucks in the Cox Plate. Get up, course I'm Mav, and go, you beautiful thing, probably. How good is that? You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. Izzy, a text has come through here. Congratulations, Deputy Minister Dag. Do you know what that's about? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you know. Uh, the SENZ team. The SENZ team, they had sports stars or sports players, ex-sports players, whatever, current, past, that could, um, that could be part of Cabinet. Could be part of cabinet, so they went through, and then I ran, they got me on the show yesterday, and I was like, oh, "What do they want?" I said, "Kirsty writes, can you come on the show?" I said, "What for?" She said, "We've done this uh, segment, cabinets, sports stars." I was like, oh, "Yes, we went on." And so Paddy Gow went on the show, <laughs> and he said that I would be uh, deputy prime minister, and I was like, "Deputy prime minister, that's pretty like serious. That's a lot of responsibilities come with that." But then I figured out that it's actually for a irresponsible kind of guy. I've got the clip and a uh, guy that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I've got the clip. Right. Have a listen to Paddy G. How good is right. he? Deputy Prime Minister, I've been thinking about this for a long time today, and 
look, I don't necessarily know if this person would be good for the country. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Winston Peters has been Deputy Prime Minister before. Right? And, you know, he, he, he wasn't necessarily great for the country, but he was quite funny. Yes. Uh, and that's what I'm suggesting is he dag oh. uh, as Deputy Prime Minister. Um, good at talking. Likes, likes a, a, a late night out on the booze, a bit like Winston. Uh, really good at talking. Very inconsistent. Very, very inconsistent. Uh, extremely inconsistent. You know, you never know what you is going to have. Uh, so I've been putting this gag in as a sort of a Winston Peters uh, kind of person in the Deputy Prime Minister. Oh. He's lined you up there. He's lined me up. See, here's me thinking, Deputy Prime Minister. I'm like, man, that's flat. That's a real. That's a. That's a. I've got a lot of responsibilities here. I've got to make some decisions in life. But reality is, you, you're making no decisions. You're sitting in the background, you talk saying what you want, mate. And uh, <laughs> Winston Peters, if he's yeah, wow. I was very very surprised that I even got close to that role. I thought I would. Someone tweeted uh, messaging yesterday. I would. I'd be Minister of Energy. <laughs> Fizz, energy, energy, and resources. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Oh. What about Baz? They had him as um, what was it, finance minister or uh, minister of um, uh, travel or whatever it was? Because he brings back all his rupee. I I did, found a bit offended on behalf of Stephen Fleming though that they'd put Ian Smith as prime minister. I thought we'd all decided by now that Flemo is the PM. PM. Yeah. yeah, it's got a ring. Oh, they asked me. They asked me who would I have at, as Prime Minister. I said, Flem. I said, Flem. Honestly, he is such a smart operator. He is. He knows. Well, he's just He's just really switched on. But, but walking the fairways with him and just getting a bit more of an understanding, yeah. he has that balance. He has that balance. He has a connection with everyone. But then he knows how to make those those big decisions when it comes to it. So, look, I, I, I put him as my PM. Instead, he Flem just PM, he got mate. Minister of Cohesion. <laughs> well, it's pro- they could probably use a bit of cohesion in that uh, cabinet. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, um. well, well, actually, they kind of um, weird. That was weird yesterday, Trudy, yeah. to see the the national and Labour speaking mm. of cohesion. They both parties, both major parties, are helping us build more houses, which is a good thing. Apparently so. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the, the NIMBYs the not in my backyardies won't be loving it, but we're going to build up and out, and we're going to get more homes for people like me that'll otherwise and Karen and Joe that otherwise would never be afford to buy a house, and your kids Trudy and your kids one day as um will be able to hopefully buy houses. So no resource consent, just chuck chuck just up chuck three up. three story houses, build it, just rack them and stack them. <laughs> oh, wow, beautiful! Nah, they weren't kidding on me. That was for the TVs. That was for the TV. <laughs> Lance higher. Everyone will know his name, synonymous with league. He is a league champion. He's done many things in the game of league. 185 games for the Warriors, 80-odd for St. Helens in the Super League, and a stellar career. With the All Blacks in the U.S. this week, we're wondering about what Kiwis we have over in America applying their trade in the growing sport of rugby in the land of the free. And although this might not have been who you would first think of, but that's what makes it all more interesting. The Huntley Hurricane. Yes, Lance Hoare is in America. And he is doing great things over in America. He is coaching Rugby Union. We've tracked Lance down and he is with us now. G'day, brother. Is he? How are you, mate? 
I'm good, mate. How are you? How's America? Yeah, it's good. I mean, uh, yes, it's you know, it's getting to start to cool down over this way. We'll be uh, heading into some some snow shortly, so I'm, I'm not looking too forward to that, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, other than that, mate, it's going it's going really well. Mate, what 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 made you venture to America after leaving England and having a successful career? I thought you might have wanted to just come home, but you stopped halfway and went to America. What made you go there, bud? I did, mate. Yeah, married an American woman, so um, oh, nice. ended up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and and uh, yeah, it's, it's a it's a nice little city, um, and uh, not not too much rugby here that originally when I first moved there, but it's grown a lot, yeah. and yeah, it's a good good little place to raise a family. Uh, my boys are pretty settled here, so um, you know, I guess this is this is home for the foreseeable future. Put it that way. Nice, man. And I see you're doing a bit of coaching. You went over, you've done a bit of coaching in the league since, and now um, you're coaching rugby. You're coaching a college outfit, the Aquinas um, college team. How's that going for you, mate? And what yeah. else have you been up to while you've been over there? Yeah, it's good. I mean, uh, so I've been coaching, yeah, full-time for this. This will be my fourth year. Um, prior to that, I was, you know, doing some real estate, personal training, and I was coaching as well, but it wasn't full-time. Because um, yeah, there's no rugby league here in Michigan, which is obviously why I got involved in, in union. Uh, you know, I played a bit of union growing up through high school, so but it, it had been a while since I since I played. Um, but it's going really well. Yeah, I coached a team across town called Davenport University. I was there for three years, and then Aquinas is a brand new rugby program this year. So they came knocking on my door pre-Christmas, and um, you know they they've been looking to introduce rugby uh, into the athletic program for for a few years and uh seemed like a good time to do it in the middle of, of the pandemic right so yeah that was uh <laughs> kind of how that went um but it, it's been going really well we're, we're building the roster i uh, got some really good boys on the team got some southern hemisphere recruits coming in in january for us which is the spring semester so so i'm excited we've got uh hopefully get some new zealand boys over this way too that's what that's what i'm trying to do yeah, but let's talk about the game of rugby in the United States. It's the fastest growing sport over in America, um, with the with the new competition, the Major League Rugby uh, competition hangover. There's a lot of Kiwis yep. you know, applying the trade in the states as well, mate. Have you been impressed with how fast it's grown yep. and the talent around America? I have for sure. Yeah, I think the first year, um, you know, obviously having come from New Zealand and and, and watched a, a lot of rugby. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't quite up to that standard uh, the first year for, for obvious reasons, the new program, and um, you know, I think I think it has it's grown a lot in, in the last few years, and um, coaching here has been an improving, money's improving, the standard of, of the rugby is improving year upon year, uh, you know, the professionalism is growing, uh, and, and the collegiate rugby scene, which is what I'm involved in, is is the um, essentially the pathway to to major league rugby now, and. Yeah, some really good talent. You know, some really good talent playing university rugby. You know, and, and for the most part, those boys are all going on to play who 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 want to go that path. So those boys are going on to play and, and being picked up by by these professional teams. So, yeah, a lot of good coaching around, uh, a lot of good players, and, and I see it continuing to grow over the next uh, you know few years here. Do you get a lot? Are you, are you sensing a, a real big belief and buy-in that that rugby in the United States is actually a potential? opportunity for these players and, and you know you got the major sports the baseball the nfl 
um, athletics, you know, you've got all the big sports over here, the basketballs that are, that are big, big organisations. Do you see now that a lot of, a lot of athletes and, and particularly rugby players around America are believing, OK, there's actually a potential opportunity here to make a career out of this? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I think even, you know, like obviously uh, athletic programs around the country, ourselves, Aquinas, and there's one down the road, Adrian College, uh, two new brand, you know, brand new rugby programs, uh, Nickel Varsity programs, so they're fully funded by the school, uh, two brand new varsity programs just in Michigan alone. So, you know, I think schools and, and are getting on board with, with the popularity of the sport and, you know, rugby's on, on TV now on the weekends. When I first moved there, it wasn't. Um, you know, Major League Rugby's on, on CBS Sports on, um, you know, Saturday afternoons, Sunday afternoons. Uh, and they compete with the other sports, obviously, but I think they've done it well um, doing it through the summer because they're not competing with a lot of uh, of the mainstream American sports. So, yeah, I, I would say that, you know, a lot of kids that I know and coach, you know, a few boys that I've coached um, in the early years have gone on and they're playing in Major League Rugby now. So, so the pathway's there. Uh, I, I don't think the money is is as good as it, as it could be, um, you know, but I think over the years, there's certainly going to be, you know, a viable option for boys to earn some good money and um, have a good career playing, playing footy that way. Yeah, nice. I can see it turn into an absolute behemoth uh, competition. You spoke about it, competing with Japan's America. When they see something, they see an opportunity, they do it big. They do it big. So I'm looking forward to, to watching it, mate. I want to talk to you about you transitioning into into coaching from you know you played a lot of your career yep. playing league how's that transition been yep. from playing league and understanding league to coaching rugby union now yeah it was obviously um you know a, a bit of a, a bit of a change for me um thankfully i've got a a good friend of mine here he's a kiwi boy he's from christchurch um he's my forwards coach so you know when i first took over the job uh, and he's been with me for both teams so when i was at the first school that i was at um you know i said hey mate uh you know, I need some. I need some help with these scrums and lineouts. You wanna, you wanna come and do some coaching with me, and um, and he's been a great resource for me. You know, he's done a lot of the IRAMS courses back home and and um, coaching courses, and and he played he played you know obviously the sport a lot a lot longer than me. So so he's been great for me and and my development, and obviously I've had to learn and grow and and understand the game, um, you know, as quickly as possible too over the last six years, which I which I have done. And, um, you know, I, I predominantly take care of the backs, you know, and our attacking structure and our defensive systems. And then, you know, scrums and lineouts, I, I have I have my man that I that I lean on for, for that stuff. And, and he's been doing a fantastic job. So, uh, and we bring in some really good recruits too, boys from all around the world, you know, England boys, um, South African boys, Australian boys, Kiwi boys. Um, so that helps too when you bring in that quality and, and they understand that, you know, they're kind of, you know, assisting in some of the coaching aspects of, of the the stuff that we've got to do as well. Um, but, yeah, and I think the game is changing a little bit. You know, you've seen with these rules, that, mm. you know, the 50-20 rules and, you know, the, and the, the dropout, the goal line dropout rules now. I mean, that's that's a lot like, you know, how I how I played when I was, yeah. I was playing league. So, you know, I'm certainly incorporating a lot of those those things into, into our game. Um, you know, a lot of our attacking structures and plays and systems, you know, it, it mirrors a lot of the stuff that, that, that the league teams have done over the years. And, I think now you're seeing, you know, rugby being played with a little bit more structure as well with, with the way that they attack. And so, yeah, just essentially just copying what, what all the professional teams are doing, what the top teams are doing. I watch a lot of video, you know, do some homework. And, um, 
you know, give it a shot. The boys seem to seem to really enjoy that. So yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's, it was a bit of a steep learning curve in the beginning, but I feel like I've, uh, yeah. I've, got, I've got a better handle on things now. Oh, nice, man. Oh, we're talking to Lance Hall, higher ex-Warrior, ex-St. Helens legend. If you've got any questions or memories, give us a text on double eight double three, and we'll get those to Lance. He's currently over in the States coaching rugby union. Mate, uh, the, the All Blacks. The All Blacks are in Washington, D.C. They're playing against the Eagles. Yep. How do you see the Eagles uh, performing for this game? Have, you reckon they got a pretty solid squad to match the world champs? Oh, not the world champs. Ex-world champs. Uh, current number two in the world. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would like to think so. Obviously, they've had some disappointing losses here uh, recently. And, you know, I, I know... You know, some of the players on the team and the coaching staff and, and guys that are involved with that setup, and, and I know that they're probably hurting from that and disappointed. And mm. uh, I'd like to think that this is a great opportunity for them, right, to, to kind of bounce back. So, um, you know, tough team to do it against, the All Blacks. They're, they're, they've been performing really well, and, and, and I obviously can't, you know, can't see them, some, see them losing the game. Um, but I, I'd like to think, you know, that, that, that the USA have got enough talent there to, you know, put a really good performance together, you know, at home. Um, it's going to be a great spectacle, obviously. Everyone's going to be watching. Uh, a lot of people that, you know, obviously follow rugby here in the U.S. will, will have all will have yeah. their eyes on that game. So I think that'll that sense of pride within the team should should sort of um, you know come to the come to the front of the the table there. And um, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to think that they're going to you know perform as well as they can, as well as they, as well as I know they can. Um, but as I said, I, I don't think it's going to be you know quite uh, quite enough to beat the All Blacks. Um, yeah. But I'm anticipating them, you know, performing well. Is there a lot of hype around the All Blacks being in America? Does does it create a lot of interest around the country? Obviously, huge, huge country America is. But does obviously does it create a bit of hype with them being there? It does. I mean, obviously, probably not mainstream. You know, I'm not seeing it on the news or anything at night. Um, you know, with yeah. with the, with the mainstream media. Um, but there's a there's a huge rugby following here in America. You know, there are, there are a lot of rugby fans. There are a lot of people that obviously know about the All Blacks and follow the Eagles. Um, so within all the circles that that I'm in, yes, it's certainly you know a lot of people are you know heading over that way. You know, unfortunately, you know we got we got we've got training that week with the school. You know, my team is is training that week, and obviously I've got kids and young kids in school too. So yeah. I'm not able to get over there. I'd love to be there too, but. Um, I know a lot of people that are that are heading over there, and I'm sure you know with whatever capacity that they're able to have, that it will be pretty full. Um, and the game should be should be televised, uh, yes, on on mainstream cable as they call it here in the US. So I'm looking forward to being able to watch that. Um, you know, but 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 the hype is there for sure. Everyone obviously knows. You know, the All Blacks are probably here considered the most famous yeah. rugby team in the world. Um, yeah. So so yeah, there's some there's some interest there for sure. Nice, bro. Well, let's talk about the Warriors. Before we let you go, we're going to talk about the Warriors. You played 185 games for the NRL side. What's your take, bud? What's your take? And what are you hoping to see come this new season? Pretty tough times with the boys having to be based over in uh, Australia, based in Redcliffe and Brisbane. Um, yep. What are you hoping? Key signings you're wanting to see? Sean Johnson coming back. Maybe you would have played with him. What are you hoping to see? I did. Yeah, I just, I guess, you know, obviously, I'd like to see the team do well. You know, I want to see them reach their mm. potential and and perform as well as I know they can consistently. And that's, I think, that's what all of us, you know, Warriors fans are. I'm, I'm a fan now too myself. And you know, it is disappointing to see um, 
the team not reaching their potential. And, and I think that that's probably the, the key frustration for most of the fans around the country and those that follow the team. Um, but, you know, with the, you know, you just with the coaching staff and, and the resources that they have available to them, yes, COVID was challenging, obviously. Um, not an ideal situation, but, I mean, there's probably some some good things that you can take out of that as well, and you've just got to, you know, use those and, and um, use those those to your benefit as much as possible. So, yeah, hopefully Sean's going to come back. You know, he's going to bring that maturity and, and uh, I think the, a little bit more stability in his game. And obviously, re- losing Roger was a, was a big loss. Yeah. Um, I think that, that that's going to hurt the leadership of the of the group a little bit, um, but you know also gives someone else an opportunity to stand up right and and, and show what they're made mm-hmm. of. And I think bringing Sean back was a smart move by um, by the coaching staff and the recruitment the recruitment guys. So um, yeah, I'm hoping they can I'm hoping they can you know go deep into the finals and, and uh, put themselves in a position to to, to win a trophy because you know I'd love to see that for sure. You played in 02 and 11, bro, and you played in the successful years when the Warriors nearly went all the way, but you, you had a, a, a great squad, great team culture. What are those one things from those years that you could take and you could try and instill into this current day uh, New Zealand Warriors side? Yeah, I guess it's, um, you know, like you talked about culture. Like culture's a big thing, you know, winning culture. You know, and that, that, that starts from the very top. You know, the coaches have to, you know, set those standards and expectations early um, and be, you know, very strict with those. You know what it's like in the All Blacks culture. You just, these are our standards and that's it. If you're below yep. that, then can't be here or, or you don't belong here or you have to yeah. get above that line and, and figure out ways figure out ways to do that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess... I guess uh, the thing that we had as well was we had a really good mixture of, of, of youth and experience. Uh, we had a really good mixture of, you know, Australian boys and Polynesian boys and New Zealand boys. And um, so, so, so it's a, it's a tough one. And I think, you know, I think with, with the squad that they've got, um, the talent is certainly there. The ability is there. Uh, it's just a matter of, yeah, building that winning culture. And it just, it does, it takes time. And they probably haven't had a lot of that recently. So yeah. yeah, I would say they've got a lot of work to do. They've got a lot of work to do this this preseason um, to, mm. to to lay that foundation and set those standards and and try and build off that. Yeah, nice mate. Love that little insight. You've been there. You've done that, mate. So I'm sure they'll take that on board. But we've got a question, mate. We've got a quick question for you before we let you go. What American car sure. do you drive? <laughs> what American car? Um, I drive yeah. a Jeep Cherokee. So I don't even know if that's an American. I'm, uh, I'm assuming it's an American. Um, no, that's that's a yes, that's a Palm Jeep, Springs. Jeep, Jeep that's a Palm Beach. That's a Palm Beach mobile bar. <laughs> they're they're everywhere over here. So um, I mean, it snows a lot. You know, you need a four wheel drive over this way. It's yeah. uh, guaranteed snow. You know, some days it's. It, I mean, it's terrible. It just doesn't stop coming down some days. So. Yeah, so you need a four-wheel drive, you need a truck. And, and i got boys, my boys too, so we, we load everything in and, you know, get out in the snow and charge through it, and we're good. So I need, I need my Jeep. <laughs> nice, brother. Oh, will we see you home soon, any time? Nah, probably not. You're American now. I can hear it in your twang, your twangy voice. <laughs> I, would hope, I would hope so. I mean, as soon as the government yeah. left me back there, um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think the last time I was home was uh, 2019 uh, summer, our summer, which is midwinter there. So um, yeah, I'd like to come back. I'd I planned to come back for Christmas this year, but it's, it's just been a little bit tricky there. 
to get back there. And, and I'm busy too, so I, I'd say sometime next year I'll be home. Uh, I have to. Excellent. I want to come home for sure next year at some point. Once uh, you know things nice. sort of settle down a little bit with this with this COVID situation. Nice, brother. Well, we hope to see you back in NZ very soon, mate. But um, loving your work over in America. Keep going well in the coaching rounds, and uh, good luck. And we'll hopefully catch up with you soon, yeah, brother. You, Thank you so much for your time. Yep. Yep, same to you, mate. Awesome. Good to hear from you. Cheers, lads. It's time for a McCafe coffee catch-up. And, well, you wouldn't know it. I got my McCafe coffee delivered at about 7.30 this morning. So thanks to McCafe for watching out for me. I got it delivered to my door. How good's that? Thank you so much. It's only been three months since Giannis broke the Bucks championship drought and bought brought glory back to Milwaukee. Today they start their journey to repeat as champions with the NBA season kicking off this afternoon as they play KD and the Brooklyn Nets. We've done our best impressions on NBA analysis this morning, but we thought you'd bring in someone that has a much better knowledge of the game. Seth Partnow is an NBA analyst for The Athletic with a knack for numbers and analytics. Analytics. (laughs) <laughs> An analysis, and he joins us now. Good morning, Seth. Ah, how are you going? I'm going well, mate. How are you going? You excited? The season's about to start in a couple of hours' time, mate. How you been? Uh, I, you know, I heard you say it's been three months. It doesn't seem like that long. It seems, uh, mm. seems like it was it was kind of yesterday. Um, I'm uh, kind of every year kind of sneaks up on you, and this year is uh, is no exception. Mate, you've you've been in watching the game for many many years. You have a much better knowledge of about it. What what are you seeing? What are you seeing from the the conversations before the season's tipping off? What are you seeing? Who are the big movers? Who are the big losers leading into the competition? Uh, it's as, as is always the case before the season starts. It's it's a, as much about what's going on off the court. Obviously, the uh, sort of the the Kyrie Irving uh, not having not being vaccinated and so his availability. Yeah. Uh, for the Nets being unclear, um, just today there's been new developments in sort of the Ben Simmons saga in uh, in Philadelphia, and so so those are kind of the two, I would say, the big unknowns heading into the season right now. Even with that, I think that the the Nets uh, enter the season as as championships favorites. I would say, um, as long mm. as as Kevin Durant and James Harden stay healthy. Seth, it's great to have you on the show this morning. And if anyone's got any uh, NBA-related questions, you, you probably don't want to ask Izzy and me. You want to put them to Seth, so text them through on double eight double three. I'm just watching ESPN on my screen here now, and that's what they're leading off with. Um, 76ers suspend Ben Simmons for Wednesday's season opener. How messy is this? Is this really kind of an ugly scene for the NBA where a guy is just flat out pretty much quit on his team? Um, it's ugly in and of itself, and it's doubly ugly because this is the second year in a row it's happened. Um, if you recall, mm. at the start of last year, James Harden did something similar. Um, this one's almost, you, you know, the, the, the first time is tragedy, second time is farce uh, kind of situation because uh, James Harden is a far superior player to Ben Simmons, so this is this is almost looks a little silly for, for Simmons, you know, demanding certain things, whereas Harden, okay, the the Rockets had decided they were going to kind of pivot and rebuild, and Harden didn't want a part of that. So you can at least understand where he's coming from. 
Um, I think the the this is just a of a, a totally messy situation for Simmons and the 76ers, and no one's going to come out of this, uh, you know, to their advantage or looking good or or having really gained anything from this this entire ordeal. So, so what's going to happen from this, mate? Look, do you do you think Simmons is going to have any parts of what the 76ers are going to do this season, or are they just going to leave him on the outer and? And hopefully trade him, or, or you know, what's going to come out of this? This is just ugly. My best guess is that um, now, obviously, the new round of, of kind of silliness might change this. But I think the plan for Philadelphia was always okay. Everyone loves their team in in October. We're going to get to December. Someone's going to decide to do something different with their team, and they'll come with a real offer for us instead of. You know, the offers they're probably getting all summer, which is, well, you have to trade this guy, so this is the best you're going to get, so trade him for nothing. Um, I, I think that, that that's what, the way they've tried to play this. Now, the question is whether that remains tenable with this sort of this, this latest drama going on. And then, you know, how, how this affects the willingness of other teams to, to acquire him. Um, he's a talented player who's, you know, an, a, a difficult on-court fit, but, you know, knowing how, how much the NBA teams are kind of worried about their, their, their quote-unquote culture, um, this does not make him a, a more attractive acquisition um, for, for a team that thinks they, they're going to bring him in and make him sort of the centerpiece of a team. doesn't exactly stream a lot reliable, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't exactly <laughs> scream that. It feels like a bit of a good old-fashioned steering contest, doesn't it, between Daryl Morey and the Sixers and um, Ben Simmons, who's just determined to find his way out. Let's stay in the East. We've copped a lot of heat on our text machine today, Seth, for not giving the uh, Bucks the respect that the Bucks fans think that they deserve. Um, I guess they they were, you got to remember with them, like they're one toenail from Kevin Durant from not even getting out of the East, right? Are, are they really still the team to beat in the East, and and are they getting the respect in America that you think that they do or don't deserve? That's those are sort of two different questions. I don't think that they're the team to beat in the East. I think I think again with with Harden and Durant healthy, the Nets. Are, I mean, you start with two of the five or six best players in the NBA. In, in Duran and Harden, and, and you're probably the favorite. Um, but at the same time, I, I think that the Bucks are are considered sort of 1A uh, in the East. Those are the two teams that are considered, uh, I think, rightly so. Um, it, would be, it would be a mild surprise if anyone else was in the conference finals besides those two teams, put it that way. Yeah, right. I'm a- Love that, love that little detail. Hey, mate, can I ask you about the Bulls? The Bulls side, they're in the East. Sure. They're over in the East, and, and there's chats about, they've obviously got Zach Levine, Vucevic, they've signed DeMar, DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, but Zach Levine, his season out last year was outstanding. Could, could they push the East and maybe potentially go to the finals and be a part of the playoffs? Um, I think the playoffs is probably their their uh, their, their ceiling. I'm I'm lower on the Bulls than than a lot of people. I think that they're going to have a very dynamic offense at times. I think that they are going to struggle tremendously to play to defend, especially against better teams. Um, the, the DeRozan and Levine, neither of them have have ever been especially good defensive players. 
Uh, and as he's developed in his career, um, DeRozan's best position has been has been a power forward over the last couple of years in San Antonio, and, and that his his sort of deficiencies become even more magnified there. I mean, that if, if, if the matchups don't always work this way, but if you know you lined up the, the starting lineup side by side, that might mean that uh, DeRozan's lined up against Giannis and Nakumbo, and that's uh, I, I don't I don't think that's a matchup that bodes well for 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 Chicago. Uh, <laughs> getting any, any stops ever. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a fair way to put it. If we if we swap conferences, do you think one of the most confusing teams in the NBA this year as far as expectations is the Golden State Warriors? Absolutely. Um, they're, 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 they're very interesting, and they're sort of caught between the, the last hurrah of sort of the old guard and what to do with... with uh, some of the the young talented players they've added over the last couple of years, um, are, they haven't exactly gone all in on maximizing sort of the the back end of of Steph Curry's uh, reign as an elite player. Um, so they're going to need uh, not only you know the the the, the rookies, whether it's uh, it's Jonathan Kaminga or Moses Moody, to to, to play meaningful minutes. They're, they're going to need Clay Thompson coming off consecutive. You know ACL and Achilles mm. injuries, two of the more debilitating, kind of reasonably common injuries in basketball. They're going to need him to return to something resembling, you know, his all-star form uh, from previously. And combine that with his age and how important he was to them defensively um, prior to his injuries. That that's that, that's three severe question marks. At the same time. Curry kind of showed last year that on any given night, he's the best player in the world. On many given nights, not just any given night, but on many given nights, he remains the best player in the world. And you have that on your team, and that always gives you a that always gives you a chance. Well, let's talk about best players in the world. Who's your early candidates for MVP? MVP Giannis go back. Nikola uh, Joker, the Joker. Can he do it, or who? Who? KD. We've put KD on our show. Both I, of us I, have thought KD is going to come I think out. It's, I think. Yeah, I, I think you guys are on the right track. Oh. Um, I think, you know, it, the the MVP award is is it's a combination of sort of team success, individual brilliance, and kind of narrative wins in terms of of uh, who actually gets the award. And I think all of those kind of point to Durant. I think. Between the playoffs last year and the Olympics, I think he has a very real claim to to have, you know be the current best player in the world. The Nets are going to be very good. Uh, you know his this is you know talked about Clay Clay Thompson's Achilles injuries. This is two years on from his own Achilles tear, and you know that sort of unprecedented comeback from that kind of injury, I think gives all the narrative has to. Uh, to, to him, you know, ascending to the, the the top of the top of the pile again. So I think, amongst a crowded field, he would be my favorite. Um, I think it's going to be yeah. like, I think it's going to be tough for Jokic to repeat. Um, yeah. Just it, there, there was a there was a an unfair, I think, a very unfair sense that he was almost MVP by default last year. He had one of the most more spectacular seasons from an from a, uh, offensive center in NBA history last year. But somehow, maybe because he plays in Denver or he's, he's got an, uh, he plays in a style that's not 
as familiar to the modern you know game. Uh, he, he did not seem to get the credit he deserved, but just again from that narrative standpoint, that's good. that means he's he's facing a headwind as far as as convincing enough voters that he's worthy of repeating. Uh, even though it's, it's supposed to be a, a single season award, uh, it, it, it almost always there, there is that that historical element that, that tends to creep into the actual voting. Yeah, okay. That's interesting. Interesting. I've got another interesting one for you. Damian Lillard. Will he keep his peace treaty and stay with the Blazers, or will he pull his trade card and trade? There was a text message coming in with Kyrie Irving going through his vaccination debate, potentially going to the Nets. Could that be a possibility, and could you see that something like that happening? Um, I, My best read of that is that he is probably playing this season in Portland, and likely getting traded next year. Um, I would I, sort of the, the the smart money isn't is isn't on the Nets, but it is in the same city. Uh, the, the the kind of the the most common sort of uh, speculated slash rumored location is the Knicks. Um, now whether that that holds up. You know, the, it wouldn't be the first time the Knicks have been sort of rumored to be getting a, a superstar player, and then it's <laughs> not happened. So you, you don't want to, you don't want to say it's a, it's a certainty or anything like that. But that's um, again, I'm not. This is not, nothing I'm reporting. It's just sort of the, uh, <laughs> the it's, it's sort of the, the, front news. It's, it's, no, Headline news in New Zealand. We'll be clipping this out, aggregating it. I don't want to break news or anything like that. But it's, it's, it's you know, it's. it's that's that's the, that's the discussion, shall we say? <laughs> no, love it, love it. Oh, See, let's it. G- if we could go full circle just to end this out. Then, okay. One of um, you might know, but one of our favourite sons is is Sean Marks. Yeah, he played for the Tall Blacks. He's a legend. We really, really respect what he's doing with the Brooklyn Nets and all through that rebuild um, from that that trade back in the day where he kind of took over the team and what he's done w- with all those uh, without all of those picks, of course. Now he's got the situation with Kyrie Irving with uh, Kevin Durant. Just can we just get your best read on this whole situation? Like, what is this weird loyalty you think KD and these guys feel to Kyrie, who really just looks like he's he's trying to blow up this season, and he doesn't really seem to it, it, like. Does he even like basketball anymore? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to speculate on on uh, on that part of it. I'll, I'm sticking more to the Nets. I mean, the best result for the Nets would would have been for. Irving to get vaccinated and and to play and 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 uh, there, there being no drama from there. But I think the second best result is them to to sort of take the approach they've done, which is sort of a clean break. Look, okay, well you're not going to do this. We're moving on. I think the worst thing they could have done was have it be a constant: is he available today? Is he not? Uh, kind of situation. And I think that they have the luxury since. Uh, the, you know, since trading for James Harden, that they don't actually need Kyrie. Um, it, as as crazy as that as that sounds to say, like they are they are plenty good, uh, to, they're plenty good enough to win the championship, and I think still be the favorite to be the champion if he plays zero minutes this season. So I think that that that's, and that's I think a great credit to to, to Sean Marks to that that he's he's built a team that can actually have that much of a cushion. That okay, one of this you know an, an all-star level player just decides he's not going to show up, and you know we're better off not even you know trying to convince him to come back, just moving on. 
I think you know he started with uh, with, with Durant and and Harden, and then he's done a, a really nice job building a a very solid roster around them. I think I think signing Patty Mills was one of the uh, was one of the really astute moves of the summer, and you know mm. Irving being out is it, it, it illustrates just how valuable Mills can be just to step in and not as well but play a very similar role. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, Seth. That's awesome stuff. We really appreciate your time this morning. You can go follow Seth at Seth Partner on Twitter. He does awesome work for The Athletic. Got a, diff- a couple of different podcasts that you can listen to him on. Really appreciate your time this morning. Enjoy the season, mate. It's great to have the association back. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Yesterday, well, we had the draw of the Cox Plate. Features two Kiwi-bred trained and owned horses. Probably, of course, but... It is cool, Sign Mav, we're talking about now. A lovely draw. He looked healthy in his gallop yesterday, his look around the valley. Can't wait to hear what John Barry's got to say about him. Morning, John. Morning, Louie. Morning, Izzy. How excited are you, mate? Because you can probably hear it in my voice. It's Wednesday and the fizz levels are starting to percolate. (laughs) I'm actually lucky, mate. I've been there before, done it, got the T-shirt and and obviously ran second. (laughs) So uh, I'm probably not as excited (laughs) as I was 10 years ago. Um, but it's cool. It's a great thing. It's, you know, I live by one of my mantras is, um, you know, those that dare to fail succeed. So we're, he's there. He's a horse. We've, we've planned this 14 months ago to try and get to this race. We're, we've got a ticket in the dance. Everything's going swimmingly well. Hey, mate. Uh, great to have you on the show again. John Barry, mate. Um, I want to ask you about Corsair Mav. How, how's he travelled since being over in Australia and settled in nicely? And how's the preparations been leading into the Cox play? How good? Really good, is he? Yeah, it's, it's, um, he went over last Wednesday night, he travelled beautifully, settled in very quickly, had a canter around the valley on Saturday, he was a little bit gawky or looky, you know, um, but mm. then business as usual yesterday in a gallop, Luke Nolan, who's on him in the race, um, was, was pilot on board and, and did it really well, so all you ever want in these big races uh, for your preps, just an uninterrupted prep, and so far, uh, all going well, touch wood, he's, he's had that you know, up to this point. John, you said you've been there, you got the T-shirt. So explain this to us about the valley. When you say gawky, what is it about that specific track that horses do need to look around before they turn up and race? Uh, I think two things. One, the grandstands and everything are right there, right up uh, by the, you know, outside running rail, and especially on that home corner, you know, there's sort of a hedge right there um, and, and the, what they call the tab... Um, Cabaret or whatever it's called, you know, sort of a club thing, and it's right there overlooking that corner. So, um, yeah, you literally, if you if you don't turn left on the home straight, you end up in the cabaret having a beer and placing a bet. So, um, <laughs> it's just it's and a little bit like that, like Happy Valley in Hong Kong. Everything's sort of on top of you there. You know, it's not a big roomy yeah. track like Flemington or Caulfield or, or or stuff like that. So, and. And it's sort of a little tight turning track, you know, down the back straights, downhill, you run around the corner and back uphill and, and a short straight to home. So your balance is a little bit different for the horse as well. So, yeah, just just got to, you know, do it and feel it and stuff. But he's he's done all that really well. Nice. I love that detail, mate. Let's talk about um, course I'm at. Draw of number five. Draw of number five. What is the perfect scenario come race day? What is the perfect race to give course I may have every chance to go well? Uh, I think in the trail, like, uh, the Cox Plate's a bit different in the fact that, yeah, you, you're all there on a Zoom yesterday and they pull your number out and you pick what gate you want, you know. We were we mm-hmm. were number, we were the third one out. Um, the first two went with three and four, 
speaking with Luke Nolan and his worry was there's, there's races here on Friday night, the Manicato, and then there's probably another seven races before us on the Cox Plate, rain forecast, just all bet two or three mils Friday, a couple of mils Saturday, and he's just worried that the rail might be a fraction off. So uh, um, that's why we went with gate five. Zaki was out after us, uh, next one drawn, and they come up with six. So the way it pans out, hopefully Captivant, three-year-old, generally goes forward from he's because they've got a lightweight. Uh, he's gate one, so... Maybe he goes forward, Darkie goes. I don't think they'll hold him up this time. You can see him rolling. I think we're going to get a perfect position on the trail. There's somewhere on the back of Zaki or, or maybe Anna Mowie from a wide draw goes forward too. But I think thus far it's all looking good. And, you know, if we can just get in the trail, have something to chase. I think we've seen him at Hastings the last two runs. He gets to the front, starts looking and gawking around and yeah. pricking his ears and think he's done it. So... <laughs> He's not going to get that luxury. There's a lot better quality against him. And, you know, I do think he's a horse that's a bit better chasing. I think you'll bang on. Okay. You're, I think your appraisal there, John, is very, very close because you're right. I reckon J-Mac's going to stoke him up and I reckon he's going to let him roll. I don't think they like the way that he just kind of didn't quite look comfy last start, Zaki. So I think that they're going to try and nick it and it's going to be a chasers game and whoever can keep up is going to have a chance, if not winning, running a real nice place. So oh, I can't wait, mate. And we know that what you've done with Corsair Mav, if you've made him and taught him to race different ways, which is also the bonus, do you think rain would be an issue at all or would he love it? No, he proved that probably here on the first day, is he? And, and even when you're in third at, uh, in March, way back in March over at Awapuni, which was a you know, a genuine heavy 10 New Zealand style. So uh, rain's fine. It's, it's, um, the valley's what's called a strathair track, so predominantly um, a really sandy-based track, and they drain very well. So, yeah, I mean, if they call it heavy over there, you know, you wouldn't worry us one little bit. No, it wouldn't. Awesome, John. Hopefully it doesn't get to that stage, though, because we do want two live Kiwi chances, and it would be great to see probably as well both flying our flag high, mate. Congratulations for getting to this stage, and um, look, we'll be rooting along come bucks. Saturday. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> good as, Juicy good as, odds. Good as, good as, good as, good as, good as Thanks very much.